This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. So what I just asked from you, right, what we're going to do here, which is help some people in, um, around the world, it's entirely plausible that as we do this very thing, that we're going to end up violating some government mandates. Not necessarily in the United States, but across the world. So how do I square that with Romans 13, which if you've got your Bibles, would you open up? Verse 1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities exist that exist have been established by God. So when you read that question, it, there's a little bit of a question that asks of like the Francis Schaeffer question from years ago, which is how should we then live? Like if, if he says there to obey governing authorities, then why would I say we need to violate some government mandates? Now, by the way, this won't be the first time Conduit has done that. Um, uh, this is not an extensive list, exhaustive. We just ran out of room on the slide. And when you're smuggling Bibles into Iran, when you are putting down, like when I go into countries that are um, uh, adverse, shall we say, <laughs> to what we do, I put therapist under occupation, which is technically true, but, but that's not, but on a, if I put pastor, I'm going back home again. Just last week, we took supplies into Haiti uh, that technically we should have paid enormous amounts of, and I, when I say taxes, I use that phrase extraordinarily loosely. If you've ever traveled into countries like that, they're negotiable and they're all cash-based, so you tell me whether it's taxes or not. But we took in a bunch of stuff and we took in uh, medications that they cannot get there and that violated their government laws. Now, the truth is, is this. Uh, I can pragmatically say, yeah, but. Like whenever you have, there's a Bible verse, right, Romans 13, 1, and then you say, yeah, but. That's called yeah, but theology. And yeah, but theology is not good theology because that's pragmatism. Yeah, but this is my experience, but our experience has to be informed by the word, not the other way around. So to that end, let me share with you some Word of God examples of our brothers and sisters and men of faith and women of faith who have violated government mandates over the past centuries. And obviously we remember Elijah who called down fire on an altar. I'm assuming that was against some kind of government mandate based upon Jezebel's reaction. <laughs> the very famous Daniel thrown into a den of lions for 
refusing to follow a government mandate. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow to a government mandate. Ten of the 12 original apostles were executed for their faith, yes, but because they violated government mandates. Now, there were 12 of them, if you remember, one of them was left hanging, but the other one was on an island in Patmos, exiled because he violated government mandates. And of course, we shouldn't forget that it was Paul himself who wrote chapter 13 who was later executed himself for violating a government mandate. It also shouldn't be lost on us that the very families that turned Anne Frank in to the authorities were following government mandates. So the question is, what does Paul mean in Romans 13? And I want to show you how when we go through this chapter that he starts out with this idea that obedience to God is greater than obedience to the state. But the motivation for that decision to obey or to resist the next section, is love is greater than fear. Any resistance can't, shouldn't, ought not to come from fear, but from love. And that he ends with the put on Christ, which means that Jesus is greater than the flesh. Many of my, uh, and maybe in a room like this, I would assume, of our proclivities towards wanting to resist, actually we're not coming from Jesus, but from my flesh. I mean, I'm a redneck. I grew up in Nebraska. We ain't, we, we ain't interested in you coming in telling us how to live our lives. You know, that, that, that's not necessarily from a godly part of me. There's an ungodly, fleshly part of me that he wants me to crucify and wants the part of Christ to be it. So when we talk about first, obedience to God is greater than obedience to the state. That verse seven It says, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Now, when it says everyone on that list, do you suppose God is on that list? Give to God what you owe God. And is it plausible that there might be government mandates, right, that conflict with God's mandate, and if so, what do I give to God versus man? I owe what to God and what do I owe to man? And we could guess, but he actually makes it pretty clear for us in in this passage. Verse four, he says, if you do wrong, be afraid, for the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are servants of God, uh, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer, and maybe underline wrongdoer and wrong. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, because a matter of conscience. Now, the reason I'm saying to underline wrongdoer is I, I want to ask the question, if you might can think of some laws in the United States where something is legal, but it's still wrong. You see, abortion is 100% legal in our country, and in the eyes of God, it is 100% wrong. And so, do we obey God's law or man's law in this? 
You see, he differentiates, he says wrongdoer. He doesn't say lawbreaker. Right? We've got a veteran of Franklin Police Department here. There are laws that we need to obey that are, are about the laws of, let's hypothetically say that I might drive a little faster than the sign had suggested. That's a violation of the law, right? That is for sure something that I should obey, and if I'm not, then I'm, there's someone there that's going to make sure that that is t- uh, taken care of, and I've paid a few of those over the years, contributing to our local authorities. On the other hand, there are things that are like legal, right, that are wrong, but there are also things that are illegal that are right. In June of 2020, in uh, Asia, the country was being shut down because of the COVID restriction policies. People were being trapped in their own homes, starving to death in their homes. Now, in that situation, their government prohibited people like us from sending help to people who were in need. A church, a nonprofit, they were not allowed to help. It was illegal. So, illegal to help, but is it morally right to help? Yes. So, we made a contribution to uh, local law enforcement there, um, and he looked the other way, and we fed thousands and thousands of people. 100% illegal, 100% right, and I have lost not an ounce of sleep over it. Right. Every slave that you see on that wall that has been set free, every single one that's in process right now, everyone that will be set free, They exist in a nation where it is 100% legal what has happened to them. And it is 100% morally wrong in the eyes of God. And even the way in which we are working right now to set them free is illegal in their nation. 100% illegal and 100% right. And we will do it and do it and do it. Because it is a violation not of man's law but of God's law. And so when I say obedience to God is greater than obedience to state, when you come up against a law that violates God's law, you choose God's law, not man's law. Now he lists taxes, which is universally despised, as saying that is not morally wrong, it is legally right, so pay your doggone taxes. Right? It, that's not a morally wrong thing to do. But there's this other category that's interesting to me because he goes on to say this in verse 6. If you pay taxes, uh, the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing, which is true. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If you owe respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So if you owe that to them, then we give it to them. Now, in June of 2020, and some people in May of 2020, churches began to reopen uh, around the country. We were one of them. Now, in our county, we were blessed. Our state, we were blessed. Our governor 
Governor Bill Lee did not uh, mandate churches to be shut down. He knew it was a violation of the Constitution of the United States. That is the law. And so he said, we're not, he strongly encouraged, kind of wish he hadn't have done that, but he strongly encouraged, but he didn't make it illegal. Now, there were brothers and sisters in other states who were 100% violating what their mandates were because they believed, correctly I might add, that their laws were being violated by the authorities who were enforcing them. In Acts chapter 22, Paul was being taken into custody by Roman soldiers, and they were getting ready to flog him and just beat the tar out of him. And Paul says, you can't do this to me because I am a Roman citizen. It is not right. He made a declaration of the law saying this is what is right, and he had a government official that actually listened better than some of our government officials have listened in the last couple of years. And they said, yeah, we'll let you go to court. Now, I know this to be a fact in our country that these laws were violating because over and over and over again, churches across the country won litigation and judgments against local governments because they overreached and they violated the law. There are times and moments when we stand up and say, this is actually a violation and I want my rights to be judged in the court of law. And I can tell you with an enormous sense of certainty that we will never close the doors of this church again. Not simply because it was illegal but because love is greater than fear, which is what he goes on to say. He tells us here that love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, if you remember right, there were a lot of people that said closing our churches was important because it would harm our neighbors if we left them open. And one of the things that we look at here and see is, what is the debt? Let's start with that question. What is the debt that we owe, right? He says, if you owe taxes, owe this, pay them, whatever. But he says here in verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except continuing the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. You see, Jesus, when he died for us, didn't pay our price with cash. There was no there was no currency that could have paid for my sins. He paid for it with love. And so the only debt that I owe, that you owe, if you are in Christ, is not a debt of money. It's not a debt of works. It's a debt of love. And so when we decided that we were going to open our church again, we ask ourselves very serious questions. Like, what does it mean to love our neighbors? What does it mean to say we're going to love them? And we went on, and he goes on here to say that here's one of the best ways to do this. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Verse 10, uh, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so for us, when we reopened in June of 2020, one of the things that we 
made the decision. And look, I, I see Mike is in here. I don't know if any other, most of our elders are early risers, so I don't know if I think Mo might be here somewhere. We didn't just come into our meeting asking the question of reopening just as like, we're punk rock, we're you know, stick it to the man. No, we were asking ourselves the question, what is the loving thing to do? Genuinely, what does it mean to love our neighbors? And one of the things that we knew immediately was every Sunday we are closed here, slaves do not go free. Could we put videos online? Sure. Will it have the impact of a live gathering? No. 100% there's a reason why Compassion International sponsors live concerts, because it works. Because when the body of Christ comes together, Hebrews 10.24 happens. Like what we just talked about in regards to Ukraine this morning, I don't know what the number's gonna be, but I'm gonna guess at least $10,000 will come in before this day is over. That would not have happened sitting at home on Instagram. So when we talked about loving our neighbors, one of the things they were saying is by closing down, that loves our neighbors. And I'm saying, you're not asking me to love my neighbors. You're asking me to choose which neighbor I'm loving. You're not necessarily wanting me to save lives. You're asking us to exchange lives. You're saying that my life here is more valuable than the lives of the children of sub-Saharan Africa. You're saying that our lives were more important than the children of Asia than these slave families. Let's say we only had half as many slaves. Who gets to make the decision of which slaves didn't go free because we kept this place shut down? And to take it a step further, when you ask about harming your neighbors, there's one thing that we have learned across the board. You would think in the last year, almost two years now, after we reopened, that because we reopened without restriction, that our church should have had enormous toll of death and illness and destruction, way more than a church who followed all of the mandates. And I'm telling you, that is a demonstrably false truth. Our results were no different. And I'll say that about employers as well. There's a local employer here named Dave Ramsey. And Ramsey Solutions in June of 2020 told their people, come back to work. If you have medical conditions, we would say that of our church as well. If, you've got, if you're high risk, if you've got medical conditions, no shame whatsoever. Protect yourself 100%. But by then, a lot of this information was actually pretty, it was pretty accurate by this point to know that staying home wasn't doing them any good. So by December of 2020, there was a hit piece written by a journalist about Ramsey Solutions, and he was making a big deal about them opening up and having a Christmas party, which, by the way, was outside, and anyway. But way deep, 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 deep into the article, it said, and they've had a hundred, this is uh, nine months in, 1,200 people, they had a hundred cases and no deaths at Ramsey Solutions. I'm thinking, you just buried the lead, dude. Like, that should have been the headline. Only a hundred cases? That's incredible. And I'm not saying that the virus didn't hurt people, and there were, but the point was is that this idea of a one-size-fits-all was a crazy thing to have said, and the demonstrable results were that this company stayed open, people kept their jobs, people were continued to be set free, financial debt and freedom, because Ramsey Solutions had the courage to stay open. They took an enormous amount of grief for it. 
And here it is two years later. Their numbers are no different than the companies that stayed closed. So you tell me in 10 years when we look back on history how we will look on this season. It didn't matter. Now, if we had turned out that there were absolutely demonstrable, like, truth ideas that, 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 that the cloth mask would protect somebody, that, I mean, right now, I don't know if you've watched lately, but they, they're saying pretty out loud that those cloth masks were everything that most people knew already, which was worthless. So if I tell a senior citizen who is high risk and immunocompromised, wear a cloth mask because it will protect you, that is harming my neighbor. Loving my neighbor is telling the truth. And I know this is serious. I don't know how everybody feels in here. And, and, and Mo at conduitchurch.com. Send your emails there. I'm just saying. I'm just, that was cold, baby. I, I, what I'm trying to say, we weren't glib about it here. We looked at Romans 13 like everybody else looked at Romans 13. And we're saying, what does this say for us? And for us, we're saying harming our neighbors. We're going to harm far more neighbors by shutting down than by opening up. And by the way, one of the things that was proven very true in that regard was uh, nobody, there's no surprise that mental and emotional health in the last few years, especially these last two years, have absolutely plummeted. And Gallup released a survey just recently, and that survey said that across every category, mental health plummeted in every measurable category except one. Any guess which one that one was? Not only did it not go down, it went up. Those who reported weekly church attendance. The gathering of God's people is not just some arbitrary and capricious thought that God had. It is for our flourishing and for his glory. And so we will continue to gather, not just because it's a burden, but because it's what God's people do. And when we come together, amazing thing happens in here and around the world. Now that said, the last thing is this. Love is greater than fear. We, we obey God before we obey the state. But the truth is, is we have to do this with Jesus first. Jesus is greater than your flesh. You see, he says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. You see, some of the desires of my flesh he, he lists out what some of those are, by the way. Of course, it's fun to, you know, I'll, we'll focus on sexual immorality and debauchery. I don't want to focus on that. But he also says jealousy and dissension. And some of my immediate responses to some of what I was seeing in the country around me was dissension. <laughs> jealousy. I was angry about it. And he says, clothe yourself in Christ. And this is not a small distinction. In verse 11, do this understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because of salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is over and let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. He says it's time to be awake. And awake means I know people are watching me. 
right? There's light on. Awake, he actually talks here about the armor of light. What, what's the armor of light? He actually gives us a little clue just by saying armor of light, but Jesus tells us what the armor of light is in Matthew 5, verse 14. Remember what he says to uh, let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds and glorify God. So what is our light? It's our good deeds. You juxtapose that against deeds of darkness, deeds, armor of light is deeds of goodness. You see, in the, in the previous year or two, when people have had some criticisms for us, I've been able to actually say what I've said to you this morning. Well, we've said free hundreds of slave families. What do you want me to do? Tell them to go back? Yeah. Did, you, did you want the slaves, or the, the children in Nepal to die? Did you want, like, and here's the thing, there's no answer for it because it's armor of light. It bounces off. If all we're doing here is coming on a Sunday for a fantastic worship service and a solid mediocre sermon, we could do that on YouTube. We could stay home and do that. But that's not what we're doing here. We have come together as God's people to be like Jesus together. And so when those accusations fly at you, the armor of light, they just bounce back off again. It's what Peter said, 1 Peter 2.15. He's talking about people that would talk bad about you. And then he goes on to say, so let your good deeds silence the talk of foolish men. So if someone wants to come at us, bring it on. And it'll bounce right off because of the armor of light. And we're not doing it. This is why it's important, though. And this, I want to clarify this. Being awake means we're doing this out of love, not fear. Because in our world right now, there's a, there's a, they would self-identify as woke. And in the woke world, there are many things that they would say that you or I probably wouldn't disagree with. I want equanimity. I want fairness. I want justice. Those are, it's Jesus. But the difference is when it's forced on you as opposed to drawn out of you, that's the difference between awake and woke. Because woke is fear-based. Woke is shame-based. Woke is cancellation-based. is forcing you to do the definition of good and evil that is arbitrary and fluid and capricious. That's not the way of Jesus. And why is that important for us? Because when he goes on to say here, put on Christ, clothe yourself with Christ. If you and if I move forward into this world using the same tactics of fear and anger and shame, then we are no different than the woke crowd. I mean, think about it. When was the last time when you were shamed into something? You thought, you know, hey, that's a good thing. I might actually, that's a good idea. I'll take a, I might take a look at that. When someone sent you a really condescending text message, you thought, man, he's making a good point there. I ought to listen to that. It doesn't work, right? It, it doesn't work. 
And it's demonic, and we ought not to participate in it because Jesus has called us to put ourselves, clothe ourselves in Christ, not in the, like the desires of the flesh. Because that's where the desires of the flesh come from me. I mean, I have to confess, I pulled into a gas station uh, last week, probably. And once I got done being angry about paying whatever it is per gallon we're paying, I, was, I saw this lady pull in. Uh, she pulls up to go into the store, whatever. Actually, that was three days ago. And I'm looking at the car, and she's got her mask on. And she's all by herself. And my first response in my mind was, how stupid. Does she not know? Does she? And then I felt so convicted. Because that's fear-based. That's not love. I did something that day that I had not done before. I prayed for her. I don't know who she is. I was like, Lord, would you? I don't know her story. I don't know where she's come from. I don't know what life she's had that's caused her to have that kind of fear. But when was the last time you walked by a blind person and you're mad because they're blind? Love says, set her free. Bring her light. Give her vision to see and to pray for her. You see, when I see her in a mask like that, what I feel, of, I don't know what I feel afraid of, that she's a threat, that she's, I don't know. <laughs> I just know it wasn't godly. And I would encourage us, I, I don't think in this room, unless they've already walked out, uh, that there's <laughs> anybody that I really have to sell on the idea that there are times we have to resist government mandates. What I have to sell in this room is why. And it's not for fear, it's for love. It's not for rage, it's for love. And before I pitch you on a behavior modification, he says, clothe yourself in Christ. It's the gospel. You see, Christ was stretched out on a cross completely stripped naked. The only thing he was clothed in that day was my sin. Because he did that for me now, I can be clothed in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. On that day, it says that this, the, in the middle of the day, it turned to complete darkness. Jesus experienced not just darkness on earth, but complete darkness as he was separated and his father turned his back on him. And in that darkness, because he experienced the darkness that I deserved, now I can be clothed in an armor of light. That's the gospel that if I would believe that, that if I would confess that need for me in my life, that he would come inside of me, that he would transform me from the inside out, that's the gospel. And it's the very thing that our world needs the most and it's the very thing that we ought to lead with, we get to lead with in our everyday life.
that's pretty good news. The reason that I could lead with love, the reason that the only debt that I owe is a debt of love to you, to each other, and to him, is because that's the only price he paid, was love. It's not to say that there aren't real threats in our world. It's not to say that our government, governments around the world, that there are real problems. But I wonder what it would be like if a bunch of Jesus people dressed in the armor of light invaded local politics and governments? What would it look like if Jesus people clothed in the armor of light stepped into tech companies and stepped into media outlets and stepped into creative places and into schools? My brothers and sisters, you all who are still teaching in your public schools, good for you. We need missionaries in our schools. Go in there dressed in the armor of light. You who are working in the medical field, it's been a brutal few years for you. Go in there dressed in the armor of light. Those that are on airplanes and you know that the mask is just as dumb as everybody else, but you've got to suck it up. Go in there dressed in the armor of light. I don't know. Maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit wants to move in our nation still. Maybe he's not done here. And maybe it starts not somewhere out there, but starts right in here with you and with me, fellow followers of Jesus. And I pray that you will consider that this morning. Stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you forgive us? Forgive me, Lord, for those moments where I have led with flesh and not Jesus. Lord, forgive me for moments that I have judged someone from anger and fear and not prayed for them love and compassion. Lord, would you help us hold the tension of holding the truth without the fear? Help us to lead with courage and not with fear and with love. I'm so thankful for what you've done for us, Jesus. We couldn't obtain this on our own. We never could. You didn't ask us to because we couldn't. Thank you that you did this for us. And because of that, let that love wash over us today. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.